All right, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm stirring. I was. I, I, all it takes is just for you to get in the Word for God to stir you up. And you, you know, again, this is the third time I've taught it, but it, it starts to come alive again every time I start to study and um, I, during worship. It's just what I started praying because as you read. You know, we read how the baptism in the Holy Spirit comes on people in different ways, whether it's laying on of hands, whether it's people that's just asking or whether just the word of God's being preached or the, in the upper room, they just show up to get together to pray in obedience to Jesus Christ. And they don't know what they're praying for. They're praying for the promise, but they don't know what's coming. They don't have to know what's coming. They just all get on the same page and God does it. Uh, and I, I'm going to single you out, Greg. I'm sorry to do it, but I'm walking down the hall and he, he, I'm walking down the aisle and he says, I can't wait. I want it now. He said, I need refilled. I said, let's do it. Danny came over and it's just like, well, okay, well, I want it too. Danny goes, okay, well, I want it too. And Lord, let it spread like a wildfire through this place. And as we were worshiping, that's just what I was praying. Lord, I don't, we don't need to sit here and have to have a ceremony. Pour it out upon us. I'm going to show you tonight that it can happen when God wants to do it. And when we want to line up, God will do it any way that it has to be done. It doesn't have to be. You, you know, we think with salvation, you have to pray the sinner's prayer. We'll find that for me in scripture. There's nothing wrong with it. But. It's not in black and white that, that if we if we do ABC, it does say if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. That we'll be saved. If I'll just confess that Jesus is Lord and believe it in my heart that he died on the cross for my sins, I'm going to be saved. Whether I walk the aisle or whether I have some major experience. So do it any way you want to, Lord. Do it any way you want to. But just do it. As long as you go with us, we'll go. But if you're not going, we're not going. And whatever you have for us, Lord, I desire it. Do it here, Lord. We've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and how it is a clear, distinct um, there's a clear distinction between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We looked last week at two scriptures. We looked at Pentecost. These were all believers who met. The 120 were believers in Jesus Christ, showed up there, had already, had already believed or had already been converted or already been saved. And it says that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. They started speaking in tongues. And there was lightning. There was stuff. Amen. So much so that the world saw it, knew something was going on. And then we looked at Philip's revival in Samaria in Acts chapter 8. I encourage you, if you missed, go back and download this or get the CD or go look at, for, at it for yourself. Acts 2 and Acts 8. Tonight we're going to look at Paul's conversion. And if you'll go and read Acts 9, it even talks about in the beginning of Acts 9, it starts saying that Paul was looking for those that were a part of the way. They already kind of had their little label. Jesus freaks. Those, those spiritual people. Those people that are acting this way. And how he was persecuting them. And having them killed. Seeing to it 
And it says that he was walking. And all of a sudden, everybody knows the story. Walking on the road to Damascus when he was struck down by a blinding light from heaven right in the midst of his campaign. Uh, Justin Acts 9, chapter 3. I, I had my, my PowerPoint or with the Mac. It's called Keynote. And uh, I accidentally uploaded my notes and not my presentation. So it's not going to look as great as it usually does, but we'll get by. Um, but right in the midst of him persecuting Christians, I, I want you to catch something that God already had him picked out, even in the midst of what he was doing. That's kind of a wake up call for you. You may be completely off, falling off the wagon. But God's call is still on you. And I guarantee you what you've done is not as bad as what Paul's done. Can, can I just tell you, you haven't arrived, but it's time to get on the journey. And Paul got a light. How many here, I, I would have to say, I would like one of these experiences. If I'm that far off track, God, have mercy on me and shine the light on me and show me. Because God's grace, 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 God's grace. God could have struck him down dead. Or he could have left him blind, but he didn't. He had a plan for him. And in Acts 9, verse 3, it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around uh, him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you remember, Paul's name was Saul, and he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It's clear that in this walk, at this time, that Paul receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He acknowledges him. He is converted on the road to Damascus. Right? We don't have to go down this road to argue. But he continues on. He was blinded and had to be led. Those with him had to guide him. So Paul on the road to Damascus uh, came to Jesus in a dramatic way. But while he was converted in that experience, he wasn't equipped with the power for ministry yet. God picked an obscure disciple named Ananias to come and pray for Paul. Not only that his sight would be restored, Acts 9, 17, but that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. Now, if you read before this scripture, God's already told Ananias that he's coming. And what did he say? God, I've heard of this guy. And I don't want anything to do with him. He's bad news. I'm going to reveal myself as the enemy. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to reveal myself and I'm going to be a dead man. I know what Paul's doing. God says, it's okay. I'm in control. And you don't see Ananias fighting. Okay, God, I'll do it. Then Ananias answered. Wait a minute. Sorry. Thank you. Good luck. Good luck chasing after me. Um. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two distinct moments. All right, we're going to go to the last one. And this is Acts chapter 10. This is the household of Cornelius. Uh, if you want the whole story, it starts in verse 1, goes all the way to verse 46. But the house of 
Cornelius is converted and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10. Now, Peter. Peter's being called to preach the gospel at the house of Cornelius. And Peter preaches the good news. And those hearing receive, receive, uh, those hearing are converted. They receive Jesus Christ. But something I want you to catch. We're going to go back and we're going to read a little bit of this. But they don't sit there and have a line. They don't get in a, in a ministry line where people lay hands on them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit falls on them. To be honest with you, as a pastor and even as just a, a worshiper and a Christian, I like that way. The thinking is removed. My, my brain, which has a tendency of getting in my way, doesn't come into play here. How many would like to not have to fight yourself for what God's wanting to do in your life? Boy, that, that hit home right there. That hit home with me. It's not supposed to be a fight. But we can see here, this, this account of the baptism in the Holy Spirit differs from all the other uh, differs from the other books in Acts with one major point. The time span between conversion and the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the others were spread out by hours or by days or by weeks. Here, it was, it was in minutes. So, we don't have to say it. it, it ha conversion happens one day. The baptism in the Holy Spirit can happen the next day. No, it can happen the same day. I'm going to show it to you. We're going to read it. On the day of Pentecost, it was 10, 10 days from the time Jesus promised the baptism to the times they received it. In Acts chapter 8, it was a matter of days for the converts in Samaria were uh, converted under Philip's preaching until Peter and John arrived to administer the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 9, Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus took three days before uh, Ananias was able to pray for him to receive his sight and be filled with the spirit. But according to Acts 10, Peter is preaching the spirit inspired sermon. As Justin and I were talking, you know, he said, is the glory going to come down? It can come down anytime it wants. And I believe when I start preaching the word, we are primed for something to happen. When the spontaneous worship starts to come out of Tammy or Wayne or out of John, like it did tonight, expect power. Don't get sucked into, oh, no, what are they doing now? What are we going to do? I just want to sit here and will they please just put the words back up on the screen so I can feel like I'm participating. No, participate. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing in your English language. Sing in your prayer language. Pastor, you're getting out there. No, I'm not. Read your scripture. I sing in the spirit. I pray in the spirit. I pray in my, my normal language. I pray in my spiritual language. I sing in one. I sing in the other. I wish you all would do this. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. How could he know that? I've often wondered that. You know how much I pray in tongues? I'm not trying to question scripture. That's not what I'm saying, but okay. It's like Moses saying... You read in, in scripture in the first five chapters, it says that Moses is the meekest man on earth. Well, who wrote that? Moses. <laughs> well, isn't that convenient? You know, scripture, scripture, uh, 
the word of God is right where we are. It's right where we are. So when we get off the page a little bit, get off the page too. And let it be your worship. That's why I struggle sometimes when I'm sitting in worship because I've got something else I want to do. But I try my best to get on target with where the worship leader is. And then when I feel a release, I go ahead and do my thing. And when that runs out, I get back on the page with him. It's not about me just singing five songs and sitting down. No, it's about me entering into the presence of God and worshiping God how he's called me to worship him. That's the Holy Spirit that starts to fill me up and it starts to reveal to me what the Father wants. Do you know that's what the Holy Spirit does? Reveals what the Father is saying. That's why we need spirit-filled worship so that when the worship starts to stir, something should change. And it should not just be some song we're singing, which is great songs. It should elevate to worship. It's no longer singing a song in the band and the worship team and us raising our hands and really, really trying in the flesh to enter in all of a sudden worship. It's easy to sing a song, but it takes an effort. It, it takes it takes thinking. I, I can sing a song and not think anything. I can go through the motions and miss the whole thing. You know, I can read my Bible and miss the whole thing, too. I do believe the grace of God and I believe the power of God and the power of the word that there is still something that's happening in me, even when maybe my attitude's not right, but I can miss it. But my goal is when the worship starts, let me tell you, I am a weird individual. I analyze everything. I'm an analytical person. I'm an organized person. And I have a hard time getting myself out of the box. But all I've got to do is the Lord just needs to say, OCD. Turn it off. Turn it off. And I can start to enter in. I can start to focus on what the Lord is saying. All I got to do is just just give myself. And he'll start to speak to me. Can you see there's so much more that we, we can get from church? I'm completely off target. I don't think I'm off target. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Where am I? Oh, oh, thank you so much. Amy said my OCD switch turned back on. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's borderline, borderline. You know, my mom and dad, my mom is very, a very spiritual person. My dad is very solid. And it's been laughed over them that dad's mom's the gas, dad's the brake. You know, dad's the, it's also been said, dad's the truth, mom's the spirit. And you know what? It's a great mix, but I'll warn you, I I got a little bit of both. I got enough of my feet on the ground to, to not, to be worried that we don't get completely out of whack, but I got enough of the spirit side to say, Hey, sometimes we just need to pull our feet up out of the ground and just let it go. So help. Help me, Lord. Ten days on the day of Pentecost. But here we are. Peter's preaching this this spirit-inspired sermon to the household of Cornelius, telling him about Jesus. And when he reaches the point where he proclaims the forgiveness of sin for all who believes in Jesus, and the heart of the gospel is that Jesus died to save 
sinners. The people in Cornelius' home believed the message of salvation. And immediately, something started to happen. Everyone, everybody say everyone, who believes in Peter's words is immediately baptized in the Holy Spirit, even before Peter can finish his sermon. How dare God interrupt the sermon? God has a plan. Let me tell you, if God wants to interrupt me, I want to encourage you and let you know what God has is much better than what I have. Infinite isn't a big enough word. I'm not saying that what I have isn't good. I'm just saying what he has. It's like God. It's like Jesus Christ saying, I'm not good. He's good. Can you imagine that? He's good. He's good. But let's let's just well, I'll close right here. Let's just read this one and then we'll finish. the. Uh, goodness gracious. Mm. All right. Acts 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, are we good to go? And said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee and after the baptism, which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are all wit- and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who has ordained by who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead to him, all the prophets to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sin. I'm saying this just to follow in the footsteps of Peter in this message that he's, he's preaching. Now he has just preached this message and look in verse 44 while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, or mainly the the Jews, who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They haven't even been baptized yet. But God, we're Baptist. You got to be baptized. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And he asked him to stay a few days. 
throw out your theology of the way you think it has to be. These people were under the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They did not get caught not asking or doubting. They got caught believing. And God poured the Holy Spirit on them. And they started praying in tongues. They started speaking in tongues before they were baptized. Do it here, Lord. Do it here, Lord. Father, I just ask you, according to your will, Lord, you say that if we will just ask for your spirit, you'll give it. Lord, I ask you to pour out your spirit here, Lord. Lord, sometimes we don't know what we're asking for, but Lord, we know, we, we know you. And we know that you would not give us something that we do not need or that could hurt us. Lord, I ask you to pour out your spirit upon us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, corporately, church on the hill, I ask you to baptize this church in your Holy Spirit again. Fill us anew. Lord, help us to start to search the things that need to be removed. And Lord, let us tear those things out. Let us go looking for those poles that are being worshipped at. Let us go looking for those things that are tearing your name down. And Lord, let us remove them. Those places of idol worship. And Lord, let there be a cleansing here. Lord, in our temple, in our bodies, in our spirit, but also corporately. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to encourage you just right where you are. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, all I want you to do tonight, and I don't mind for you to come up and let me pray for you, but just ask for it right where you are. Just ask for it right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask you to baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. If you said that, just repeat this with me. Father, I receive your baptism by faith. I receive it today. I believe. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. I thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. I'm going to let you guys hear my prayer language. I'm not going to interpret it. If you have questions, I just ask you just to come and talk to me afterward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We will proclaim your name. We will ask and we will receive. And I thank you for us receiving tonight. Thank you, Lord. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where I'm going in the next couple weeks is on tongues. I'm going to start explaining exactly the difference between your prayer language and between a prophetic tongue. That was my prayer language. That was not the prophetic tongue. I believe we're in the midst of believers. I believe we're in the midst of those that have knowledge of what I've been talking about. So in order to clean up the mess from what Paul talks about in, in Corinthians. I'm going to ask for grace from you and I'm going to ask for grace from God. That that isn't what we were doing here. That it was just our prayer language. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Father, I just thank you and I ask you to bless us. I thank you for filling those that just asked. Or those that desire for hands to be laid on them. Just for them to come forward. I would be glad to do that. My wife. Um, I, there, there's some that, that, that would help me pray. 
I thank you, Lord. I can feel that you are giving breakthrough, that you are, you are doing something. Do it here, Lord. Do it here, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great rest of the week.